Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Kevin. On today's show, we're going to be looking back over the weekend's action as Den progressed to the All-Ireland Junior Club Championship semi-final with a comfortable win over St. Brendan's from Manchester. And St. Pat's McRory team um, bow out of the McRory at McCrory Cup at the quarterfinal stage at the hands of the old rival from Derry, St. Pat's Maharat. Look back over the action and delighted to be joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo Celtic. Paul, I couldn't make it up to Cross Midland, but you were there for the positive result of the weekend. Yeah, it was great, Damien. Mean, it was, it was, uh, any day you see a cabin team put up 316 in January in an all Ireland quarterfinal, it's something new to me. It was one maybe that we could have put in our wackies yesterday on the diehard service. Um, for under the hen's teeth category because it's very you see a cabin team put up a score like that but very impressive by then it was a real battle um i think the the St. brendan's team were they weren't great i didn't think uh, they certainly weren't at the level of then in terms of fitness and condition and they didn't have the same firepower that then had but that shouldn't take away from then because they were physically very strong like i spoke to mossy core after the game and mossy was saying we knew we couldn't let it turn into a dog fight and that was always going to be the challenge there. They were physically huge up, up the middle, the, the St. Brendan's team. They had a midfielder called Clark. He was a down man. <clears throat> I thought he was exceptional. He ran out of steam a little bit, but I thought he was exceptional uh, in the first half. Their full forward as well scored 1-2. He was well over six foot. So they had big men. They had a big centre forward as well, Ryan Devine, their own man. He had scored 1-5 in the All-Britain final. And he was very well curtailed. He kept him to one point, which he just palmed over. Um, so... In terms of physical challenge, they were they were a serious physical challenge. I thought they were they were they played it on the edge as well. Like they, they were, I wouldn't say they were a dirty team, but they were definitely a very physical team. Like at the, in the first quarter, there was fourteen frees or fourteen infringements. The referee gave advantage a couple of times, and it was ten infringements by St Brendan's and four by Den. Uh, three yellow cards okay. in the first half all went to St Brendan's. So you could see their approach a very robust. Uh, if they tackled you, you knew about it, but. I thought then dealt with it really well, really, really well. And as the game wore on, um, they had the fitness and they stuck to the plan and their class came through as well. Because it wasn't just their fitness, they were better footballers, I thought, on the Den team as well. If you were picking out, if, maybe that wasn't St. Brendan's best day, but you wouldn't pick out very many of the St. Brendan's boys that you would say would walk onto the Den team, possibly one or two of them. Their wing forward, McCoy, was good and their the big midfielder, Clark, was good. But again, not as fit as the Den lads. So, um you know, they, they didn't, Massey said it as well after, they didn't really know what to expect. They'd done their homework on them, but you were kind of going in and it was a bit of a stab in the dark. You don't know what the standard is like. And I'd imagine the standard of that competition probably varies wildly as well. You might have some year where you happen to have, you know, a few ex-county minors or something in 
Birmingham mm. or in Manchester and they throw a lot in with the club and other years you don't have that. Maybe COVID might have mightn't have had things there as well, or you mightn't have had anyone that was intended moving over there for work, moving over in the last five months, different things like that. So it was it was a difficult one for them, but they negotiated it expertly, I thought. Looking at it, I'm wondering when we go back to to watching or or, or looking back on Den's year, like I remember talking to the lads from Donegal on Ocean FM before the Ulster final, and they were asking, well, how will Den deal with the physical aspects? You know, are are the you know do, do do they get down and dirty, and and will they get into a battle if it's needed? And we've seen against Downings that they they were well capable of doing it, and then playing football to get themselves out of it um, they, they nearly seem to be prepared being given the preparation for the next level for the next step each time and answering that and, and coming out like because sometimes those dog fights those physical battles it's very hard for you to turn around and say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna run around it rather than run into it because you know the, I don't know is it the alpha male sort of in you that kind of wants to run into the middle mm. of it yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And you've got a few very robust players on the on the Den team as well, but they're very well coached. Yeah. And they make good decisions then. And they've improved and matured so much as a team. Like they're going to be a force at intermediate. They have to be because the benefit of what they've got. If you think about it, like every other team in the county has has been finished since October, end of October or whatever. Um, bar the bridge who got a got a two games in Ulster, but they're going up to senior. Every other team that's going to be an intermediate next year has been is done and dusted, whereas then have had this journey and all this extra training and preparing and learning more about themselves and improving, um, you know, gaining experience and learning how to go in and negotiate these difficult challenges against teams that you might know much about and so on. So I think it's going to bring them on so much. Um, it's in, it's interesting because they, they do have the ideal blend in their team as well. It's looking at it, you can't really call them a young team. They're not a particularly young team, but they're not an old team either. But like you've got um Caelan McCabe there who's a teenager, um Owen Riley as well. Owen, well, Owen's probably your twenty mark or so, I'd imagine. Um but you don't really, and James Brady is pretty young too, but for the most part, most of the lads are twenty-three up. Um obviously you've got you've got Mossy there who's who's well into his thirties. Um you've the likes of Brandon Kyogan, mid-twenties. A lot of these fellas are in their prime. So it's a good time for them to be putting it together like this. Um, their captain Beanie Gaffney, he's 23, I think. So they're they're just a lovely, there's a lovely age um profile about this Den team as well. So they're they're very impressive as it goes on. Ben Connolly has been has spent the football of his life at the minute. He's one lad, like Ben's probably 23 odd now as well. Like he was it'll be seven years ago since they won the McCrory, so he could be 24 going on now. Um seven years now in March. And like Ben has been superb football at the minute he scored six points the best football I've ever seen him play mm. like considering the level he's playing at yeah yeah he's, the, he's playing the best I've seen him play since since St. Pat's days anyway like he was unbelievable yeah. for St. Pat's in, in Ranafast and things like that um, but he's playing brilliantly five points in play in the game they were all really good points there was nothing handy about them uh, Ted again showing great leadership seven points knocked over his freeze three from play Um Laid on a few good few scores as well. Had Sean Donahue who got through a huge amount of work. Um, Caelan McCabe as well, he worked hard. Connor Riley was definitely a big contender for man of the match in the middle of the field. Just never stopped running. And one thing that he has is his ability to get a hand in 
and uh, get good contact on the ball. When the ball's bouncing around in, in a bit of a ruck after someone breaks it down or whatever from a from a kick out, he's he's got an uncanny ability to get a hand in and flick it out and just and be able to gather it or knock it into someone's path. And it's just all the little things he's brilliant at. And he never stops running, took the fight to to um St. Brendan's in a big way. I thought um Conor Moss- O'Reilly could be a boxer with that speed of hand. Yeah, he could be, yeah, or a handballer. Yeah, no, he was he really impressed uh-huh. me now. Um uh, Beanie as well went through, through a lot of work. Top Mark McSherry had had an excellent game, won a couple of balls in the first half and it was badly needed. Um James Brady as well had a very good first half when, when the chips were down. So all told it was a, it was just a great performance all around by then. Uh, like to concede a goal early on, it was funny because the first two balls that, that went into the big Conway at full forward for St. Brendan's. Michal Gaffney dealt with them brilliantly. I mean, textbook defending, stripped him of the ball and came out with it. And I was thinking, this is so, this is brilliant defending. The third ball went in, um, your man had got away from him, then got torn over up the field and they were quick letting it in, in fairness. And Conway tucked it away well. And that at that point, some doubts are starting to sink in, I imagine, because you're starting to say, well, you know, what is the characteristics you see of a game when, when these upsets happen? And it's usually mm-hmm. let in a slippy goal. So suddenly, suddenly you're not starting on level terms, you're starting three points down. You might kick a few wides. Maybe you let in another goal later on. You might get a man sent off. Just a little thing is what builds up to an upset. You don't get outplayed for the hour. You get you just these couple of little incidents usually catch you out. And an early goal like that to give give a um the opposition a foothold is a disaster. But they recovered really well. They kicked six points in a row after that. Then St. Brendan's went up and got a couple of scores before half time. Um, but the key the key score I felt in the game, even though they got three goals, the first one was the key one because I put them seven points up for the first time. So up to that, it was still a close game. Um, and if a point or two had gone St. Brendan's way, it was going to be a dogfight for the last 15 minutes, no doubt about it. But <clears throat> the, the goal was was um, a little bit of luck involved in it. Ted took a shot for a point to hit the woodwork, came back and fell right into Jamie Riley's hands. And Jamie had, Jamie still had a bit to do. He did well. He rounded the goalkeeper and tucked it away. That was a big one. Um, Sean Donoghue then, he got a goal. He took it really well. And Caelan McKay took it really well. Jamie Riley could have had another goal. He was denied by a late tackle by that midfielder, Clark. But... All in all, it was it was super, very professional performance. I thought it's interesting you you mentioned there about then being they have to be um, contenders or 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 in the in the shake up in the intermediate championship as a result of the the compounded work that they've been doing. Particularly, this is going on to the second winter in a row that they've kind of ha- that they have had to go right through. Like they were preparing for a junior final all the way through last winter. Now they're preparing for an All-Ireland semi-final after preparing for a quarter-final all the way through this winter. So it will be very interesting to see does that level of compounded work transfer onto performance and, and push them right up through the, the intermediate ranks in Cavan? Because it's funny, I, I was just talking um, to the Mead on the 20 manager who has just stepped up from the under 17 job where they obviously had had uh, a Leinster title and an All-Ireland title in the last two years. But he was saying we were playing them in a challenge match on Sunday morning. And he was saying that, well, we were waiting for an All-Ireland semi-final against Derry for a, an entire winter. So it, it, it was almost 12 months. I think it was June through to the following July or July through to the following June, one way or the other, but that they kept that work up the whole way through the winter and that those lads now at on the 20, he was saying physically they're in great shape. They're very, very strong. They're developed. 
that that compound work is is paying off and it looks like you take it down into Kerry where they play football 12 months of the year that compound work pays off you know so um yeah it'd be just interesting to see now how that work pays off in terms of then as they progress on a lot of people would around Cav and the traditional be now that oh look at they'll be tired they'll born out they'll be they'll be wrecked they'll not be fit to 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 maintain this the whole way through if then can go on and put a run through to the intermediate maybe it'll inspire um a lot more teams to to continue with the effort 12 months of the year rather than the seven eight that some put in yeah 100 100 percent. the challenge would be i suppose to have them fresh and and you know, to get the same level of effort out of them as well, because there is going to be naturally a bit of a low after this high. Like this is an absolute odyssey they're on. But I, they're young lads in the prime of their life, and I love Stephen Banks' strategy. He always says, like, um, you know, they're playing football. It's what they should be doing at their age. They're loving it, and um, there's no talk about, oh, you know, we've only got six days to prepare for the next game or whatever. His attitude all along when we've interviewed him has been, this is brilliant. What else do you want to be doing in six days' time? And sitting watching Netflix or something. This, this is brilliant like these are the days of your life that you remember so I, I love Dan's attitude like that um, it, yeah it's going to be interesting to see, to see how they do now up at Intermediate because Templeport showed last year that they could compete with the strongest teams in Intermediate like they beat the champions and mm. uh, they drew with Cucullans who were right up there as well so and then then will would regard themselves at least on a par with Templeport and let's say with, with this run people might be putting them ahead of Temple Port. So that's going to be interesting. But you mentioned Kerry playing football all, all year round. Then now have to play the Kerry champions in the All-Ireland semi-final, which is the toughest draw they could have got based on everything we know. Not just about this team. Uh, Neve Killa is the team that they're playing. They're on the court border. Like they, they are a big club in Kerry. I, I don't know how they've ended up in junior. Ten years ago, they were the Munster Intermediate Club champions. So I'm not sure how they've ended up in junior. They produced Ambrose O'Donovan, who was the All-Ireland winning captain in the centenary year, 1984. You know, they're, they're, no, uh, they're no junior club, really. They wouldn't be regarded as a, as a minnow and carry. Uh, so they won but, the Munster final by 18 points against Ballina as well. So Again, this, this is something we have to... Kerry, Kerry have kind of rigged the system here, really, but haven't they? Because they're... You were you were explaining to me the stats of the All Ireland Junior Club Championship over the last is it eighteen years? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Have they rigged the system or not? Um, this this competition has been played eighteen times. Obviously, it wasn't played last year. Drumgoon won the first one for Cavan, um, and it's been played. It was played a further seventeen times. And Kerry teams have won it ten times, and they were in the final another two times, and so that's twelve times they've been in the final out of eighteen. That's which is incredible. Um, now, one thing that's going they have gone from there is they probably have a relatively easy run through Munster, bar the Cork champions. Like, I don't know what junior football is like in Waterford or Clare or whatever, but I imagine it's not brilliant. Um, so look, they are predominantly Hurling counties and they've got football areas, but I'd imagine when you get down to junior that you'd be, you'd be struggling there. Um, they've also the Cork teams have been in the final of this competition twice as well, so I'd imagine. That, they probably beat the Kerry team on the way. They were probably outstanding as well. So you're talking about the Kerry, the Kerry champions have uh, been in 12 finals themselves and probably the team that beat them probably won it on at least two further occasions. So that's that's the level that you're dealing with there. It's going to be extremely difficult. I was actually talking about this to someone the other day and uh, I have a friend in Kerry who, who works for the Kerry man. I must pick his brains on this about exactly how the system works down there. 
And I was talking to someone and he made a good point. He said, maybe it's not sort of rigged. Maybe it's because I know in Cork they've got, they don't have as many, they have a similar system to carry in Cork. But they don't have as many senior clubs. So they have might might have eight senior clubs or whatever it is, and the rest is made up by divisional teams. But they also have two intermediate championships essentially, because they've got premier intermediate and then they've got intermediate. And uh, which is something like what they had in Dublin. Like Kerry. You, no, this is in Cork. So, oh yeah. So I, I want to check what the system exactly is in Kerry. Because in Dublin they had something like that as well. Because you you rarely saw the Dublin teams doing well in, in the Leinster Intermediate or Junior Club Championships. Yeah. In Dublin, I noticed that you've got senior and senior two. Senior two, yeah. So intermediate. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how it works in Kerry because I have heard Kerry lads saying before that no, it's not it's not as simple as it looks. It's not a thing that our ninth best team is in intermediate because there's there's extra there's extra tiers. So I had to check that out. But but I was talking with this to someone and he made a great um point which I hadn't thought of. He said maybe it's because the divisional system is in place. And if you're a strong junior team in Kerry, you might have four, five, six lads, depending on how many teams in your divisional uh, group because some of them have like eight, eight clubs and then some of them might only have four but you could have five or six lads that are literally not just senior standard they're playing in the senior championship against Clifford yeah. and all these lads and maybe that maybe that genuinely just is something that that filters down and the carrier producing brilliant junior teams year on year it might necessarily be a quirky yeah. system but I'm going to talk to my, my buddy and Kerry and find that out for the next podcast because it's a real interesting one that this is the this is the buddy I don't know his name but that complained about having to cover all Ireland finals. <laughs> well, he, so tough. It's he so did. tough. Always having to get to all Ireland finals. The year they got beaten by Cork uh, in the first round, in the, the year the Caffin won, he, I remember talking to him before it, and he kind of said, Ah, yeah, we'll be in the final anyway, but I, we'll be in the final anyway, but I don't know if we beat the dubs. And I was just like, <laughs> You cocky bastard. But that's Kerry. That is, that's why they're so good. Yeah, so let's hear from. Um, Cavan uh, legend and, and then legend Mossy Core. You spoke with him after the game, Paul. Joined now by Mossy Core after a win in the All Ireland quarter final here, Mossy, in Crossman Glen. A tough battle and then pulled away in the end up, but I'd say there was nothing easy out there. No, well, I suppose we were, we were, we were quite rusty at the start, which is to be expected after a four week break, but we, uh, we pulled away in the end, thank God. So we, we kept walking away. Just as we said before, we just kept, took it step by step. So it was good. And um, what kind of a game was it to play in? They seemed to be very physical, a big, strong team up the middle. Yeah, well, we, we, we looked at them and we knew we knew they were going to be physical up the middle. And unfortunately, for even for a first goal, goal, we started carrying the ball into them. And once they carried the ball into them, they turned over. It doesn't matter how big they are, they turned over. So it was through our own mistakes, probably in the first half, definitely in that first 15 minutes. But um, once we reassessed and got back going, we kind of we knew we were we had our number, like you know. And was it a hard game to prepare for? You're playing a team from Manchester, not as well known as Cavan or Ulster. Teams. Yeah, definitely, de- definitely was different because even fairness to Stephen and the lads, uh, the, the the their video work is just brilliant, and we know everything about them and that. But it was very hard to just prepare for them. We didn't know what they were going to bring, and you know, one thing we were we were very aware of is not to bring them into a dogfight because I think um, we, we, we've got two good forwards to get into a dogfight and if we get into a dogfight um, it's not good for us so um, that was one thing probably in the first half we did get a little bit rattled but then the second half we pulled away And I suppose the big thing is to get, not just to get the win but you come out of it with no injuries really or no suspensions or anything like that so exactly. job done Job done and on to an all Ireland semi final. It's, it's two weeks now, I think, against the Kerry team, isn't it? Two, two weeks, yeah, against a very good Kerry team. So, listen, 
we are in bonus territory. We'll probably be underdogs, but who cares? It's 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 brilliant for our parish, and it's a long time to see a small parish like Dane going into an All Ireland semi final. So it's just brilliant. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. If any man deserves a, an All-Ireland semi-final, it's, it's Mossy Core. And, and I, I can tell from the interview there, he was smiling most of the way through that interview, if not the whole way. He was, he was. I just collared him as he was getting in a van to go home. And uh, he, he didn't even seem that tired. You know, he just, it was just job done. And he used that phrase himself. Um, so, yeah, look, yeah, we've talked about Mossy so often on the podcast, especially lately. Like you, you'd have to admire him so much. I was just looking earlier on before we move on from then. There's an interview on the independent website. Um, I think they lifted it from the Kerryman. And it's with the, the Neve Gilla captain, Patrick O'Reardon. Uh, he's a veteran goalkeeper. He was on that to, that team who won the Munster Intermediate. They were beaten by the Galway team in the All-Ireland semi-final. And, and what he said after the game was, today we have achieved something great, but our eye has to go straight away on to the next stage. As a club, we failed 10 years ago. So there's certainly a massive desire to push on and put that right. Uh, there may be just three or four of us left from that loss in 2010, but we all have a massive desire to put that one right. So this is going to be a huge challenge, I think, for Den. Um, and I think if Den can pull this off, this is going to be one of the great Cavan victories in two weeks' time. I know we'll be previewing it when it comes to it, but I'm really, really looking forward to this one because there's more in Den. I know there's more in Den. They haven't put it together for the full hour yet um, in the Ulster Club, I don't think. Um, maybe against Desert Martin. But I think they haven't fully hit top gear yet then. And that says a lot about the talent that, that they're at this stage. And, and you know, I think they're in a nice place. They're, it's not a thing that they've peaked or anything like that. There's more to come from them. Mm. Yeah, we'll look, at, we'll look forward to that in, in, in two weeks' time. And it'll be a big build-up to, uh, to that All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, moving on to Saturday afternoon's action in Ahar as St. Pat's McRory team took on uh, St. Pat's Mahara in the quarter final. Cavan went in probably slightly favourites into this battle um, and got off to a really good start. They were four points to one ahead after nine minutes, uh, three points from Daryl Lovett um, and one coming from James McBreen, cornerback, com- coming up the field. Um, but then before the water break, two points um, from the corner forward for, for St. Pat's Mahara pulled them back into it was five points to four after another Daryl Lovett point. A really good move actually that was involving Donald McSorley and, and, and Evan Brady. Left them five points to four and, and realistically that first quarter was the, the scoreline at the water break was flattering towards Mahara because Pats were much the better side but Mahara showing as they continue to do then through the game that they finish each of the quarters very strong. Um, came out in the second half and you could, or in the second quarter, you could see the St. Pat's kick out wasn't quite functioning that well. 
and the Mahara kickout was was working really, really well. They started to dominate on kickouts, breaking balls off the key players, first on Pats, Ryan Brady and, and Philip um, Smith in the middle of the field and, uh, and, and just hungry or in around the breaking ball on, on the ground, started to, to turn it around. But St. Pats got themselves forward. Dara Lovett with a mark, Ush, or uh, Oliver McChrystal with a really good score at the edge of the D. Um, and then a Connor Casey goal off a Mahara kick out. And, and all of a sudden you're thinking, right, well, Mahara's after having a bit of a spell of control. They've got a bit of momentum here. But St. Pats are now six points in front. They're going to push on and they're going to they're going to win this. They look the better side, having not played well, they're six points ahead or not played to full tilt for, for, the, for the opening half. But then again, two points from the player of the match, an absolute class score from 40 metres by Shea McKenna and a free which was brought forward um, just before halftime, 33 minutes played in the first half, and it left it six points to 1-7. And that free brought forward was was, was crucial one because it wasn't scorable in the first position. I'm not sure exactly what resulted in the free being brought forward, but that that was a, a big, big score. Um, coming out then for the, the third quarter, and, and Mahara took complete control. Again, that inside line, um, I think it's Callum Downey was the 15 or the 13, but him himself and McKenna were were on top form, but with freeze and points from open play, um, making it three points there in a row that left it nine points to one seven. And you could just feel the momentum had completely shifted towards Maharans and Pats were, were struggling and didn't have anything to really bring them back into the game. It was leveled then on the ninth minute of the second half with a point from the Maharas centre half forward. Um, then on the 10th minute, Dara Lovett, kind of sick from being isolated up on his own and not getting any possession of the ball. He tracked back a run and turned over possession on the 65-metre line, gathered the ball himself, ran by four or five Mahara defenders and was fouled and stuck over the free. And you thought, there's the catalyst. There's the there's what St. Pat's needed to go and push on. And now they're going to respond and, and, and finish this game out. And, you know, they've got their noses back in front. But once again, before the water break, it was two points for Mahara and it left the 12 points to one goal and eight. And then in the final quarter, Mahara extended the lead out with a point again from McKenna. He ended up with eight points to his name, as did Dara Lovett. Um, it was cancelled out, that McKenna point, by a Kevin Lovett point um after Sympath kind of held on to possession worked around um a lot of Mahara defenders like they they had they, they were bringing numbers back and then counter-attacking at speed and even though Sympaths what Sympaths looked like they were doing was holding a number of players on the 45 meter line on their own end of the field the defensive end of the field um they couldn't stop the counter-attack so they were they weren't really helping the attack for Sympaths Cavan and they weren't stopping the counter-attack of uh, St. Pat's Mahara. Um, then two points again from McKenna, left at 15 points to 1-9, and it looked like Mahara were going to push on to, to seal the victory quite comfortably. Um, but again, Donald McSorley with a point, um, narrowed it back again. Another one responded for uh, Mahara, two in a row then from Dara Lovett. Who who done everything he possibly could to pull them back into the game, left at a one point game, one twelve to sixteen points going into injury time, and St. Pat's probably had the chances to get themselves back in front, um, a missed free and a and a and a, a wide from open play, 
And then from a resulting kick out after Dara Lovett's free on the 32nd minute, um, a lovely play, a lovely move involving the full forward line, but coming out to win the kick out and turning into attack. And they finished off with the with the score of the, the final score of the game. We got a two-point victory for Mahara, but it Paul was a, a really disappointing result for St. Pat's Cavan because I happened to be beside uh, Peter Canavan, who's over um uh which to Cookstown, is it? No, he's not over Cookstown. Yeah, I think over, it is Cookstown. Yeah. Is it Cookstown? Yeah. And he uh he was at the game, but he was he was saying to me at halftime, oh look at St. Pat's Cavan are much the better side here. You know, they 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 look physically stronger, they look fitter, they they look like they should be further ahead than they are, but you know, you'd expect them to win it. And after the game, he was kind of saying the same that look at geez, this is you know, that's a that's an upset because it looked like the better team lost on the day. Yeah, it's very disappointing because when you look through the Cavan team, like or the St. Pat's Cavan team, like you're looking to lads that are very well known already um, from what they've done in adult football, like Connor Casey and Ryan Brady, obviously, were key starting players for Garna and they got to the senior county final loss in Arifta. Very easily could have senior championship medals under their belt. Um, he's Philip Smith playing on a very good Cullens team who's going deep in the intermediate championship. You know, you had Liam McAtee who was coming on for the bridge who who were winning the intermediate championship. You had Evan Brady who was coming on for Lara in the senior championship and it was a good Lara team as well. And you had, on the other end of it, you had younger lads like Oliver McChrystal who's an outstanding player um, and he's still on the ridge for minor. But it did look to me like it, there was a lot of experience and very good pedigree without having seen much of them, um, some of those lads. But I saw Sympaths against Oma and I wasn't too impressed with them in that drawing game against Oma, but um, I was under the impression that there was a lot more in them that they were going to improve. But it's very disappointing not to win a game in the competition. I know they were, we were talking about Kiligari yesterday, like they played, they've played three, one, none, and their score difference is minus two, but it's not much good now. It's very, it's very disappointing because I know there's a big effort going in there. Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of effort, and and, and there's a huge amount of um a huge amount of talent through the panel. It had 37 players togged out. And I think from my recollection anyway on it, that 25 of those players would have been involved in development squads or um county minor teams. So you're you know you're you're not just taking the group of players that are poor and making them good. These are these are players coming in with caliber and, and if you take that across the the Sipats Mahara team, I was, I was kind of just saying this as well to, to a, a, a journalist, that Sipats Mahara team might have seven or eight lads that are county minors, you know, or that played county minor, but that's about it. So, you know, all that into consideration, like a lot of our better footballers go to St. Pat's um, and, and get a lot of good football from it. But you wonder for the 10 odd lads who are on the bench, it, was it to their benefit to be part of that that squad overall? You know, is is there is there part of it that maybe we need another team? I was just looking at the um the division two in McRory is McLaren, isn't it? Yeah. And the McLaren semi-final has two Monaghan teams in it. Um, you know, so they have St. McCartans who would have been McRory level. And then they've two teams in the division two, whereas we drop off very, very quick from McRory, St. Pat's teams to division three. I think Virginia operate at uh, in the Marquee Cup. 
Um, so it's something that maybe needs a bit of addressing. That uh, that that there might be there, there might be a, a conversation to be had about you know let's get let's get the other the standards of the other schools football teams up again and and get them up high that we're maybe have two teams in in the second tier as well as Monaghan have because we've similar population similar GA population we should be aiming for that sort of a standard too. Oh, we are definitely not punching our weight in in schools football in general. Like it's it's probably it's probably wrong to focus on sympaths because I think sympaths in general are are doing an awful lot right, and I think they're performing probably better than a lot of the schools. And I know they have a big um, role there in sympaths, and as in a big number of boys in the school, and it's all it's a boys school, obviously. Uh, so you they've got that advantage, but like the Sympaths Corn and Oak team today put 10 goals past Mahara to get to the semi-final of the Corn and Oak. So Sympaths are, generally, Sympaths are in the top four in Ulster in, in every grade. I know they're beaten by two points here in a McCrory quarterfinal, but they're probably in the top four or five teams in that competition, uh, as disappointing as it was, but are definitely very competitive at the top end of Ulster football. So for the, did, I know Sympaths have advantages. It's a boys' school and so on, and footballers tend to gravitate towards Sympaths as well. There's a tradition mm-hmm. there, and you know, it, you can recruit players as well, like um, for football, because you're playing McCrory, and and you and that's a common thing. When St. Pat's won the Hogan Cup, fellas repeated their leave, and fellas came in from other schools. That was very common. I remember interviewing Ollie Leddy, and he talked about it. Ollie Brady, for example, was in, in school in in um, Dublin in a Christian Brothers school, and uh, St. Pat's got wind of him. We're like let's get this lad down to St. Pat's like, and that, that's the kind of thing that, that went on back then and still goes on it goes on a lot in the north as well where fellas would come from mm. go to the grammar school in, in time to do their final exams and and so on so I don't think the problem is St. Pat's per se but like if you look at the at the Ranafast Cup for example I looked at the fixtures before and in the Ranafast let me count this up here you've you've 16 teams in the Ranafast and that's broken down as follows four four to 16 are from Tyrone Two are from Darren, two are from Derry, two are from Donegal, two are from Monaghan, two are from Armagh, one from Fermanagh and one from Cavan. And that is poor that we can we can only produce, apart from Fermanagh, every other county in Ulster and Antrim, which is a basket case um, up in Antrum. Mm. But all the other counties in Ulster that, that have their, their house in order in terms of underage football are able to produce more teams that, that are fit for Ranafast level than we are. And we're, we're not even really fit for the secondary level in a lot of cases so that's that's a worry you're, you're a county minor manager and you're picking you're if you're looking to schools football where lads are in school every day and they're getting intensive coaching it's gonna it's the breeding ground for footballers there's no doubt about that and you're looking and you have to pick up one uh, Ranafast team whereas their own you have to pick a four so if you were to pick the best six players on the St. Pat's Ranafast team they're, they're probably outstanding players they, they, you could surely pick six Excellent, excellent players off a, off, off a, a St. Pat's Ranafast team in a given year. But you only need to pick six of uh, four different schools in, in Tyrone and you've got one hell of a minor team there. Whereas mm. we don't have that in Cavan. Looking at the, at the McCrory this year, same thing. Like You've got Abbey and St. Coleman from Darren. You've got Oma, uh, Cookstown and Dungannon. Three teams from, from Tyrone. And Tyrone haven't been doing particularly well in colleges football for the last 10 or five years. Don't get me wrong. But at least they are competing in the top grade. There you've got Mahara and Mahara Felt. Uh, Armagh's got St. Pat's Armagh and Lorgan. Monaghan's got McCartan's. Um, in other years, they have had more than one team in, in 
McCrory. Mm-hmm. I don't think any has any team in school in Cavan ever played McCrory football ever, bar St. Pat's. I don't think so. St. Pat's were the only team that in the traditional old system that could enter. Um, so okay. none of, none of, the rest of them were technically invocationals, I think. Okay. Um, so, but but now that it's all been merged and, and brought together, it's definitely time for you know for for Cavan to make a real burst at this because the, the level of competition, particularly in the top two grades in Ulster schools or Ulster colleges, whichever way you want to call it is very, very high. You know, it's a real good standard of competition. So therefore, the level of preparation to get into it has to be really good. And I think that there's no reason why Cavan shouldn't have at least one other team, if not two, that are capable of playing in the in the second division here in, in, in Ulster. Well, like just comparing to Donegal, Donegal have only one team in the McCrory. I mean, Donegal has a very poor record in the McCrory Cup, but they have four teams in the McLaren. Uh, from yeah. all around the county, Milford, uh, Donegal, Tyron, Karen Donna, which is a way up the top of Donegal, Atlantis, St. Columbus, Atlantis. I drove past that school before, and that's a small school from what I can see. And there's, there's, you've got teams from Belfast there as well. You've got a second school from, from Maharafelt, St. Pius's. They're actually in McLaren. And so have, there's two schools in that town that are playing in the top two grades. Like that, how mm-hmm. big is Maharafelt? Like it can't be, it's not exactly Dublin. Um, you're seeing that yeah. we, we Cavan doesn't have a single team in, in the McLaren this year. Um, if St. Paul's and Bestbrook are in the McLaren, but like they've they have gone well in McCrory before. Um, you yeah. have, have Patrician from Carrick McCross and, and Our Ladies from Casablani and that as well. So, um, you know, that and the two Monaghan teams are actually in the semi finals of that competition, yeah, yeah, and have been in the finals. I remember in 2015 when Cavan were there, I think it was Patrician. Wasn't it Patrician were in that uh, in the McLaren final that year? Yeah, yeah. And then you go down to, to the Markey Cup. I'm just looking on the website earlier on, like, and you've got Virginia College in the Markey. Um, and I don't think you've any other Cavan team in the Markey Cup either. No, no, that's it. So we've got so two we've got two teams in the top three grades, whereas other counties just have multiples of that. Like you know, even St. Columbus and Stranall are like that's beside Bally, Bally Buffet, they have a team in the in the Marky, um, mm. Holy Cross, Traban, like that. <clears throat> like we we're looking as in Cavan, we'd be looking to Virginia College to produce players, and we'd be like kind of relying on Virginia College to produce players. But like Holy Cross, Traban are in that competition. There, I would imagine they're an absolute afterthought in in their own because they've got like seven or eight schools playing higher grade of football than them. We have only one school playing a higher grade of football than them, so. It, it makes it, you've Dean, you've Dean McGork there from, from Carrick Moore as well, which is a big handball school, and you've got some Kieran's and Pally Golly there as well. So, like, there's you've got three Tyrone schools in that third tier, and there's still seven or eight above them. So, like, it's it, we really you are look at, going in with one hand behind our back here into Ulster Minor and under 20. You were talking about Mahara Felt, like having two schools in the top two tiers, Mahara is only eight miles away from Mahara Felt. So within within a an eight mile radius, they've got three teams in the top two tiers, and we don't have that in Cavan across the the top three tiers. Or we have we have two across the top three tiers. So something something has to change there, and, and it's something that um that look at St Pat's are probably setting the way, but until the other schools, and I think that this is part of maybe why I brought it up until the other schools standard comes up. And the, the 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 level of maybe 
profile that goes with it, you still will end up with a quality player sitting on the bench for maybe St. Pat's Cavan that, that could be playing somewhere else, you know, and, and that's something that, that I think it needs to balance a wee bit, like 37 togged out there for St. Pat's Cavan um, at McCrory level. We know that some of those players were in other schools or coming from areas where they drive by schools to get to, to get to St. Pat's Cavan. And, and, you know, it hasn't just maybe balanced out or, or, or resulted in what you'd hope, which is success. That's it. Like, and this is no way a slight on St. Pat's because St. Pat's are, no. are doing everything they can as far as I can see. And I'm sure every school is doing everything they can. But for some reason, the, the, the tradition just isn't there. I have to correct myself there. I said there was, there's seven or eight teams from Tyrone in the top two tiers. There's not. There's actually four. There's three in McCrory and they've one in McLaren. And then they've got uh, three in Markey. So they've got seven schools basically in the top three tiers where we have two. So that's what you're up against there. Like you're really, it's really difficult. So I know there's great, there's a great plan in place now and the schools are very much involved in that. And Niall Lynch is involved in, that, in, in putting that plan together. So hopefully that, that will be implemented because I know like Virginia last year won the Markey or it was the last year or the year before the last one was played. Uh, so like mm. y- you just hope that that some other Cavan school can kick on now and and maybe get up even get up to McLaren would be a big boost I think to, to football in, in the county but yeah it's difficult it's very difficult I think the Ranafast St. Pat's Ranafast team has also made a, a, a quarter final they won the, the group of 16 last week so um Good, good to see that. And we'll, we'll keep up to date with all the schools results. Don't forget to let us know if you, if you um have schools results coming in, or or if you know of games coming up, we'd be delighted to hear um, see, about them. It's, that's another thing. Even the fact that you have to say that, like mm. we generally in the paper, we generally don't cover the a lot of the finals. Especially, I know it's it's um it's a kind of a virtual competition now, but for years, like there'd be county finals and vocational schools and I would get parents ringing up saying where's that report and I'd say I never heard anything about that game I didn't even know it was on I didn't see it on social mm. media no one sent an email or gave us a call so it, I don't know you'd like to see it elevated and every person that's involved in it is doing doing everything they can I know that but probably need more people to help out and just put a more of a focus on it because when the effort is going in which I, I, I'm sure it is then, then uh, you know they deserve to get more success out of it yeah, and more recognition from it. So, um, yeah, look at uh, hard luck to to St. Pat's anyway. We'll keep an eye on the rest of that competition and just see how St. Pat's Mahara end up in it. But um, the the Tyrone lads, two Tyrone teams in the semi finals, there's a, a a good chance that a Tyrone team could come out on top of that one, and it'd be interesting if it was Oma um, after St. Pat's Cavan drawn with them in the group stage, but. It just wasn't meant to be on, on Saturday, but a couple of positives to come out from it. There, there, there are some young talent and I have to finish off with a positive of Dara Lovett really, really um, kind of rubber stamped the expectation that he, he could be a really top quality player and, and take him out of that St. Pat's McCrory team, even though he's just out of minor. So he's a 17 year old playing in an under 19s competition. He was he was sublime at the weekend. Brilliant. That's I've seen him play on a few occasions. I've been so impressed with him because he has blinding pace, but it's not just pace. Like he's he's um he can carry the ball, he can finish both feet, like he's a goal threat as well. 
Um, so mm. hopefully he can continue that and stay fit. Sometimes these players who are absolute rockets tend to get muscular injuries and stuff like that, but please God he can stay fit and he'll have a big career. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a lot of injury issues so far. So fingers crossed. Okay, thanks a million, folks, for listening to the McAvoy's Supervisor GEA podcast. Don't forget to check out our diehard service where yesterday we brought you the wacky awards from 2021. Um, some you'll agree with, some you'll disagree with, but we'd love to hear your views if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin. And don't forget to check out our Calvin Lives podcast as well with Mark Farley. He caught up with John White, or better known in gown, I was told on Twitter that it's John Anthony. Um, oh, who classic. A Calvin a man born in New York and bred in New York, but... Um, definitely affiliates himself with Calvin and, and uh, a really interesting story about how growing up in New York in the Bronx you can definitely be a Calvin man still even though your your feet aren't on the ground here in Calvin um, all of the time but really I, listened, I listened to this one day I mean, and it's brilliant I really would recommend it at one stage he compares um, the love we have for football in Calvin or the obsession we have with football in, in in Cavan and places like Garna to like uh, American football in West Texas, like schools football, Friday Night Lights. And I love that. I absolutely loved that analogy. And it was, got me Googling, looking up. Because uh, I know I actually read the book Friday Night Lights years ago. And I remember it. Texas is, the, is literally more or less exactly the same size as France. So West Texas is probably the size of Ireland. So there's a lot there's a lot of schools, a lot of American yeah. football there. But uh, I really, I really was digging deep into that online last night so strongly recommend that interview yeah it's excellent it's absolutely brilliant so head on over to, to Patreon you can subscribe if you just want to catch the Calvin Lives podcast you can subscribe to it or you can by subscribing to the Die Hard service you get Calvin Lives and all of our Die Hard's podcasts so uh, hope, hopefully we'll uh, catch you over there towards the end of the week <laughs>